0: Hello and welcome to the Women's Agenda podcast. My name is Angela Priestley and joining me today is Penny Lacasso. Penny, what is on your agenda today?
1: My agenda is to teach 10 million humans by 2025 how to intentionally adapt in order to future-proof happiness.
0: Okay, this sounds ambitious and I like that, so let's get straight into it. (laughs) Okay, so Penny, you do describe yourself as the world's first happiness hacker, which is an excellent job title, which I did read in your book that people have uh, noted previously. So on this mission to teach 10 million people to intentionally adapt by 2025 to future-proof their happiness, your first book just released on Tuesday, and you've been in the midst of doing this um, uh, this this kind of launch thing this week that I imagine you probably didn't have planned prior to COVID. So we'll talk about that. But I also might add that you are joining from Victoria where you have been in lockdown for the past few weeks um, with little to not much certainty on when that will end. So, Penny, it is an interesting time to talk about happiness. Um, can I start with how you're going at the moment and how you're feeling, how your friends are feeling, what's going on around happiness when it comes to being in the kind of lockdown situation at the moment?
1: Yeah, Um <laughs> I, If I talk about how I've been feeling, um, I feel, I've been feeling guilty, to be honest, um, very guilty, because I've actually enjoyed loss. Um, and, and I think that's sad, yeah, because as a happiness hacker, I'm here to try and make people joyful. And I found it really interesting to observe how sometimes we can feel guilty when our life is happy and we can see so many others suffering. Mm. Um, so I've had to just put that guilt to the side and start to say, we're just so grateful for the fact that you are in this beautiful environment because whilst I've been in lockdown, I've actually been on a 25-acre farm that backs onto a state forest caring for friends' animals because they stayed in Byron Bay and decided not to come back to Melbourne. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've kind of felt like I've been in a bubble um, and it's really helped me in terms of creativity with my business. It's helped me in terms of launching this book. And it's helped me really connect with my son on a whole different level because normally we're city folk. But if I talk about, um, I think because I've been feeling, you know, so much joy in that phase, when I connect with my friends who are in lockdown, who are getting out for an hour a day and, um, you know, in their home, homeschooling, and let's be honest, have been in this situation for probably five months. I think we might have had like, most people, we can't even remember. That's the thing. It's like, Time um, is really hard to track. Like, I don't, when you said four weeks, I was like, I don't even know how long this has been going on now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had like a two week window, maybe three, where people were starting to come out of the first lockdown and it was like a teaser and then went back.
2: Mm-hmm. But I've
1: seen, I've seen people I would never have imagined to have anxiety or um, depression really starting to sit in that space um and as i mentioned to you i mean a, a perfect example is my mum had one of her closest friends just on monday night at the age of 71 suicide completely unexpectedly mm. never been a sufferer of depression or anxiety and i just wonder how much of that is going on because it's not being shown as i was saying earlier in the news or anything like that so People are really suffering from a mental health perspective.
0: Yeah, it's part of the um, the hidden pandemic and we, we don't know the full extent of that. And I think it, it's not even what's just going on now. It's it's going to be, this is, this is with us obviously a long time. There's the uncertainty mm. of not knowing when just the, the, the day-to-day lockdown ends. There's obviously the uncertainty that comes with um, and, uh, the recession. Um, there's things that will go on now that um, it's it's going to be really hard to quantify and measure what the overall impact has been on, on people's mental health right now. Um, do you have, I mean, have you, take me through what, what have you been doing the past week? And you mentioned <laughs> that there's 500 people have joined from all over the world. So I imagine that they are all in varying situations at the moment, mm. some in lockdown, some not um, very different worlds, different extremes of lockdown as well. But um, they've all been sharing their happiness hacks and what they do and and what are some of the things that you've learnt or that really stood out the past week?
1: Yeah, so I I had a a crazy idea just to put it in context. You know, I never anticipated launching a book in a pandemic. I don't think anybody does or did. Um, And so I was like, well, how the hell am I going to connect people to this idea of hacking happiness when it's completely relevant to how people are feeling now and helping them to navigate the uncertainty and so I thought to myself what if I could create a way for people to actually experience hacking happiness and to navigate their own journey when they're so in need and so I decided to reach out to Lululemon who I've got a great relationship with and said to them I want to create the world's first virtual hacking happiness retreat and what I want to do is um, leverage all of the amazing well-being gurus that you know and I want to run a series of micro retreats across six days where people can choose their own adventure for 20 minutes to an hour um, for each session and actually learn from people who invest in their happiness practice daily what people do to inject more joy into each day mm-hmm. and so that's what we've been doing um, over the last week and we've had over 500 people from as far away as Alaska to Africa join our up and what's been astounding to me is as you say is how many people are suffering around the world. Like it really doesn't matter where you are. Mm. And so what have I learned? Oh, gosh, I seriously, I would have done this retreat with no one watching because I've learned so much. Um, and, and that's why I call hacking happiness a practice. Yeah, it is a practice. It's, it's constant experimentation. Some of the things I've learned that have been really powerful, um, two little hacks that I absolutely love. One is a progress jar. Now I think at the moment many of us are feeling extremely guilty and beating ourselves up because our productivity has decreased. Right? So we've come from an environment where we were in offices and productivity I always say had become our disease. It was mm-hmm. you know it, we it's what we valued most, the busier we were the more important we were. And then we went into COVID and many of us were feeling extremely um, uncomfortable because we're like, now we've got a homeschool. We're all at home, like you were saying, with your three kids and your partner, um, trying to work, trying to homeschool and just navigate life. And our productivity feels like it's gone backward. And understandably so. Yeah? Mm, mm. Understandably so. Mm. So, this beautiful little practice of a progress jar is about, I think it's about letting go of this need to have every minute of every day full. And just recognizing that you are making progress and that is all that matters. And so you just get a jar and put it on your desk. And for every 15 minutes of focused work that you do on one thing that is meaningful to you, you put a paper clip in that jar Mm. or a bulldog clip. And so what happens is you get to the end of the week and you've got this visual reminder of progress which is a beautiful way to focus on what you have done, not what you haven't. And the other little practice, again, it related to a jar. And these were shared by some of the people who ran sessions, a retreat. And it was called a a pride jar. And what they spoke about doing is at the end of the day, so many of us at the moment are challenged around all the things we haven't gotten done in a day. So you go to bed feeling shitty because the to-do list is endless and you feel like, you know, you're stuck in this. Cycle of of not getting ahead. So at the end of the day, you grab a sticky note and you write down one thing. It can be as small as you like that you are proud of achieving for the day. It can be as simple as I spent ten minutes with my child playing a game of cards. Um, like really simple stuff. Or you know, um, it might be as simple as I got the dishes out of the sink tonight, and the, the kitchen was clean when I went to bed. Really simple stuff. And so every night you put something in the pride jar. Mm. And, again, it's about finishing the day. It's about recognising the good, not constantly focusing on all of the bad, the uncertainty, what you're not getting, you know, what you're not getting done, um, the overwhelm, all of that sort of stuff.
0: I love these ideas. (laughs) These are so perfect for me. I'm one of those people who writes a to-do list that is – always impossible. I have never completed it. I always wake up feeling um, very fresh for the morning, ready to go and thinking I can accomplish a lot of things that actually wouldn't be possible to accomplish. And I do accomplish a good bunch of them in the morning and then things progressively uh, get worse from there. A bit of decision fatigue (laughs) setting in. Um, But I think that is a wonderful way to note what you have accomplished. And again, with that pride jar, these are great ideas. So that was the first that you've heard of them this week, was it?
1: Yeah. So the um the progress jar was given to me by the the amazing woman that I worked with who helped me edit my book, mm. and um and the pride jar at the end of the day was um another gift that was given to me by um, a performance coach here in Melbourne who has been practicing that. And this, everyone's got a hack. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. Um I think the more that we can share these little things that inject a lift in our day and focus more on the progress we're making or being rather than doing, yeah, or what we do have rather than what we don't, we that's where we have to put our mindset um, that, or that's what we have to – we have to try and sit in that more often mm. in order to experience more joy.
0: Okay, so one of the things you go into in the book is uh, this idea that happiness is, is – it's not necessarily about what you do but rather about what you're avoiding. Could you explain that? Mm.
1: Yeah, so I talk a lot about happiness is found at this intersection of what you've longed for, but what you've avoided. Mm. So think about it, right? And, and I'll bet you, Angela, you've got, I, we've all got things we long for. Mm. And longing is a really interesting thing, right? Because if you've longed for something, clearly it's important to you. Clearly it has some significance, otherwise you would have let it go. Right, And the avoidance piece is about helping you acknowledge, well, I've longed for this. So ask yourself, what have I longed for yet avoided? And when you look at the avoidance piece, why have you avoided it? And I'll guarantee you the avoidance comes down to fear and the level of discomfort you know you will experience if you make that transition, even though you know it could make you happier.
0: Mm. Mm, This is interesting. Okay. Do you ever find with this, and I've got an analogy for this, um, when I I had a few random surf lessons a few years ago and I've always been a bit of a, I've never gotten past the beginner stage. I don't don't put a huge amount of time into it. I've never gotten past the beginner stage of surfing. And this surf coach just made the point like I can't remember exactly, but he just said, you've got to follow through because I was doing all this work. You do all this work, paddling, paddling, you get the wave. And then as you're about to, um, as you're about to, to stand up, you just kind of, there's this moment of hesitation where it's like, wow, this is the bit that I get to enjoy, but it's also the riskiest bit here because I could wipe out or whatever it is. You see, uh, if you've got a slight fear of heights, it can be a little bit scary at that point. So you've done this work, but then you avoid that last piece of final uh, uh, work that you need to do that is kind of overcoming and, and crossing over the line of fear so then you don't actually get to just go and enjoy the journey. Do, do you find that can happen mm-hmm. as well, that there's that final hurdle that people may avoid because even though they've put in all the work but there that goes back to the avoidance piece, that final bit of fear you avoid so you never get to enjoy the things that you long for?
1: Yeah. I think what I see a hell of a lot more of is that people won't even start. Mm. Um, Mm. And so people long for this change that they know could make them happier, but they'll sit in the pain of the known because it's familiar rather than step into the discomfort of the unknown, even though it can inject more joy. And so what happens is that people sit there and go, that um that thing that i long for that the list of things that i have to do to get there like there's so much in that journey it's often a big thing it's a significant life change it might be a career it might be a relationship there's so much um effort and time required in that journey that people will sit there and go well there's what until i've got the plan so that I know I'm going to take the right path and it's all going to play out the way I want it to Mm. until I've got that perfect plan I'm not going to take action but the reality is in the realm of hacking happiness that the perfect plan doesn't exist there is no such thing there could be a thousand right paths to that change yeah and Mm. there's going to be a thousand actions that you need to take and it's not about which action to take first because it really doesn't matter. Going to be so many that you have to take. It's just about taking an action.
2: Mm. It's
1: not about what you do. It's about actually doing something. Anything that puts that pin in the progress jar. Yeah. Yeah. Anything that's Mm. going to get you that 15 minutes closer Mm. to what you want. And most people will not even, to your point, they don't even get off the start line, let alone get to where you're talking about, where they're almost at
0: the end and give up. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking about um, procrastination comes to mind here. And I think that often procrastination can be used as not so much a cop-out, but it's a word that disguises other things that are going on. And it is that fear of starting. And yeah, the simplest way to think about procrastination is when you need to write something and you're looking at the blank page and it's just terrifying to see the blank page but um, it applies to so many other areas of our lives and it's more so a fear of, of starting and and that I mean it's scary putting yourself on the page in that sense it's scary making those first few uh, metaphorical words mm-hmm. in that way so what have been some of the most successful hacks that that work for you
1: the the one that I've come across in lockdown that has been a game changer has been gifting myself the start of each day. And so I've always been an early riser and you don't have to be an early riser mm-hmm. to do this. Right? <laughs> so when I, I mean, I wrote the book in three months um, and um, it was because I get up at five o'clock every morning and I would write for two hours before the world woke up. Mm-hmm. So I would always wake up, but I would start and use that time to do deep focused work start work straight away. And then I read a book called The 5am Club mm-hmm. by Robert Sharma. And while some of it resonated and some of it didn't, what resonated was the science behind putting in place a simple practice at the start of the day and how that would set the tone for how the rest of the, the day would play out and how it improved your energy and your mindset. And so what I now do and I advocate to others, I gift myself the first hour of every weekday morning at five o'clock. Now I don't advocate that everyone does that, but I'd say, what if you could just gift yourself the first 10 minutes of every day? Mm -hmm. Could you just carve out the first 10 minutes of every day when so many people tell me I'm just dying for the space for myself? Yeah. To to invest in my happiness practice. Mm -hmm. So gift yourself the start of the day and when you gift yourself the start of the day you don't touch a device you don't touch any technology because as soon as you step into that space, you are reactionary it's not intentional yeah? it's reactionary and so what i would challenge you to do is spend the first 10 minutes of the day setting the intention for the day what is your intention for the day what is it that you are grateful for what is it that you want to let go of today, and what is it that you want to lean into? You will be astounded at just sitting with a pen and paper and writing that down every morning, how that can shift the dynamic of your day. Mm. The second thing that has been an absolute game changer for me, but I've been doing this for years, um, is a really simple practice called micro bravery. And so, to your point about how do you lean into this fear, how do we step into the hard stuff that we've longed for, the best way to do that is by building your resilience muscle. And I love people always say, get comfortable with discomfort. Yeah, that's great, but how the hell do you do that? Mm. Micro bravery is exactly how you do it. So micro bravery is challenging yourself every day. Again, it's a practice to do one small thing that makes you feel uncomfortable. It can be absolutely anything and it's not to be compared to other people. It's relative to you something small that makes you feel uncomfortable. It could be as simple as reaching out to a random stranger that you've admired their work for a long time and you'd love to pick their brain. Yeah. It could be as simple as like last week I signed up for a Harvard neuroscience course, a free one um, because I'm fascinated in it, but that made me feel damn uncomfortable because I'm not a scientist. Mm. You know, cells and biology and all of that stuff has never kind of come naturally for me, but I'm fascinated in how the brain works. I have been for years. So, Small acts of bravery every day, yeah, relative relative to pushing yourself into some form of discomfort, is a brilliant way to build your resilience muscle and build the courage and confidence to lean into bigger acts, yeah, of courage over time. Mm. And in, in an environment where there is so much uncertainty at the moment, it's a beautiful way to get comfortable with the uncertainty.
2: Mm, mm,
0: absolutely um in terms of uh well uncertainty i guess vulnerability um i was thinking back to where i first came across your name penny and it was when we published a piece um i think it was 2017 mm-hmm. so the title mm-hmm. why i wore nothing but a swimsuit when delivering a keynote and there's a photo of you yeah. in your swimsuit delivering a keynote and you did this as a self-described woman who has struggled with her weight and negative body image and at the age of 41 uh, with what you describe again as a body built for comfort. Um, maybe you could take us through that and how potentially it relates to hacking happiness as well. And what that what that did for you and meant for you and did for that audience as well. Mm.
1: So that, that was a result of practicing micro bravery every day. There's no way when I left my corporate career six years ago, if you had told me that I would do that three years later, I would have said you were crazy. But practicing micro bravery every day gave me the courage to do that. So um, I was asked to to 120 women at a career conference um, on um, uh, practices for happy change. And um, I knew all the other women that were speaking at this conference. They're all amazing women. I was on at two o'clock in the afternoon. And they were serving wine at lunchtime. So I was like, (laughs) how am I going to connect with these Mm. women in a way that's meaningful and get them walking out the door, taking action around the things that they've longed for but feared? Um, Equally, how am I going to keep them awake, given the wine? So um, I came up with this crazy idea. It was like one of those moments where you wake up in the middle of the night and I was like, that's it. Um, And so I knew that there is not a woman in the world, be she tiny or curvaceous, that often most of us have body image issues. We don't love our bodies, yeah. which is so sad, I think, so sad. And so I thought to myself, right, that's it. And I rung my 77-year-old dad the next and I knew that if he endorsed it, you know, it, it was the right thing to do, and he said it was the best idea I'd had. So um, I walked out on the stage, and I had a bohemian wraparound dress on. I took the dress off, and I stood there in my bathing suit, and I opened the camera saying love me or hate me you will not forget me and if there is only one thing that you take away from today it's that happy change is found when you learn to get comfortable in discomfort and I can honestly tell you that it does not get any more uncomfortable than (laughs) this and I had (laughs) I had a standing ovation before I even kicked off my keynote because there wasn't a woman in the room that couldn't relate to how uncomfortable that felt but what it did was that it connected them to what it feels like to make the change that they longed for, but mm. equally it gave them permission to actually listen in to what they feared because they were coming up to me afterwards going, I've longed to do this thing for years, but you've just given me a baseline because what I want to do is nowhere near as scary as what you just did. Mm. And so it, it gave them permission. So that was the magic and that was enough, you know, of what it did for the women in the room. And that was always the intention, but then it went viral on LinkedIn um, and got picked up by me around the world, it created a global movement called Naked for Change, where people were le- leaning into things all around the world and messaging me, telling me how they were leaving careers and relationships and all of this stuff. And I was like, I done? Mm. Um, but what was most powerful was what it did for me um, unexpectedly. So I have never felt as empowered as I did, even though I was shaking before I got out there and did it. Um, when I took off that dress, I felt completely empowered because for the first time in 41 years, I no longer gave a shit what people thought of me. Mm. I realized that the only judgment that I needed in my life was my own. And as long as I was true to who I am, yeah and and what gives me meaning and purpose, then everything else would kind of work itself out. Mm. And that was like a light bulb moment for me.
0: Did that light bulb did it come from from that act, or had it come earlier that enabled you to do to to get up there and and, and present in a swimsuit?
1: It came from that act. because that I think that was the craziest thing I've ever done um and it was all service of as I say getting the women in that room to be moved in a way that they otherwise wouldn't be moved but it, it as someone who had always struggled with body image issues it kind of was like it just made me realize that none of it mattered you know like didn't matter how I looked in a bathing suit it didn't matter if people didn't find me attractive none of that mattered what mattered was the impact that I was having in the world that's what's really important to me that I'm leaving this world just a tiny bit better than what it was when I arrived in it
2: mm,
0: mm. okay well I might just to finish now I want to go to your mother who you've written about uh, quite beautifully mm. and I think a number of different posts on LinkedIn um, your mother is in in lockdown, so she's she's I think by by herself. Um, yeah. And there was a few things you posted a photo of your mother doing a Zoom uh, yoga session. <laughs> so I, I love this because I think that this and in this conversation about hacking happiness, um, one thing is about learning new things, going and taking up a hobby, going and becoming a yoga instructor at any age, and particularly those things that we think. Oh, it can be quite easy to think if I didn't do this by this age, therefore I can't do it. But this is such a good example of how you can. So talk us through um, what your mother and what she is doing now and the yoga practices that she does on Zoom.
1: Mm, so I have described mum as my hacking happiness mentor. Um, my mother is an unbelievable woman and she was a farmer for the first 60 years of her life. Mm. And then she raised and she raised three children as a single parent, completely on her own, um, whilst working the farm, the dog grooming business, and she um, was one of the top great trainers in Australia, right? So she was pretty amazing. And then at 60, we kind of had all grown up, and she decided to follow her passion, which was yoga, lo and behold. Mm. And so she retrained as a yoga instructor at the age of 60, and decided that she wanted to play in a niche space, which was providing yoga to those who weren't as mobile, which was people over the 60s. And so she started teaching at a local community centre and then obviously when COVID hit, um, her classes got shut down. And mum doesn't love technology. She hates it, if anything. Basically, um, my brother and I said to her, jump on this thing, jump on this link. And so we taught her how to use Zoom. And it opened her eyes to possibility because she realized what was most important to her was the fact that a lot of her clients were in isolation alone because they'd been widowed. Um, and so if she could give them Zoom classes, it would provide that lift in their day and it would also keep them mobile mm. while in isolation. Mm. So she started, she's now 71. She started running Zoom yoga classes, completely adapted, right, when she hated technology. And the impact of students was significant. And again, and then, so this is this is what's so interesting about mum's story. Um, so whilst all of that's going on, lo and behold, her best friend of 55 years, completely unexpectedly, was murdered. Yes, Mum stepped yeah. in um, in COVID and um, went down to her friend's property. She was a greyhound trainer with 50 greyhounds, and mum's number one priority was to rehouse those 50 greyhounds whilst mourning the death of her close friend. She did that, farewelled her friends. Uh, went back into lockdown and then got contacted by the community centre again. And they said, you're doing such a great job with these yoga classes. Will you now teach students with disabilities? So then she starts teaching all of these youths with um, Down syndrome yoga. And then she had just this week, another one of her closest friends um, suicided. Mm. And mum rang me on Tuesday night. um, And she said to me, I need to talk to someone. She told me about um, her beautiful friend, Marg, and what had happened. And she, the first thing she said to me, I need to talk to someone. She said, Penn, we can't make sense of things that don't make sense. And she said, all I can do is be grateful for the life that I have mm. and my family. And I just sit there. And the reason I love that story is that mum's lost two of their closest friends in horrific circumstances in the last four months whilst going through COVID lockdown, completely adapting, helping impact the lives of others through her yoga classes. And all she can do at the end of all of that is sit there and be grateful. And I just think there's such a lesson in that in terms of she's a huge practicer of happiness each day. And that's where it puts her mindset in mm. unbelievable adversity.
0: Mm. I'm having a little tear, so I'm just going to wipe that away. What an amazing woman. How lucky you are. Um, amazing story. I just... Can't wait to learn more, a little bit more about your mother as well. Sounds like she has a book in her too. So thank you so much for joining us today, Penny. Um, Please go and get the book. It is really good, Hacking Happiness. It is just a book for the moment <laughs> so and you couldn't have planned this moment at all and I've said this a few no. times, I always feel for people releasing books during this time as well because it's not as as you would have imagined in terms of being able to, to tour it and get out there and talk about it in person but we are grateful to have it. So thank you so much, Penny.
1: Thanks for the opportunity to chat, Angela. I really appreciate it.
0: Thank you so much, Penny, for joining me for that conversation on hacking happiness. We did discuss a wide range of issues there, but if it does bring up anything for you and you do need further assistance, please, I just wanted to share a couple of the key contact numbers. The first one being Kids Helpline on 1800 551 800. Another one is Lifeline on 13 11 14 and a third one is Beyond Blue on 1300 224 636. You can also check out their websites as well. Now all the stories that we have discussed on Women's Agenda you can usually find in some shape or form on our website. You can also go there and subscribe to our daily update that comes out just before lunchtime. Now Penny's book is really good. Go and get it. It's called Hacking Happiness, how to intentionally adapt and shape the future you want. Plenty of tips and tricks in there. Thank you again for joining us.